Last night, the City Council had a work session, and here to give us a debriefing on that work session is Northfield City Administrator Ben Martin. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Jeff. You've got, you brought a lot of stuff with you, some visual aids here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a lot of big projects on our work session last night, and so... uh... I need a lot of resources to help me with the details. And the, the, which is really true. You've got uh, street projects, a couple of street projects. We've got the Ames Mill Dam. Uh, we've got a budget work session. So it was a uh, action-packed meeting last night. Let's start off with the uh, potential removal of the uh, dam here in downtown Northfield. You know, I've lived here for over 35 years now, and that's been <laughs> talked about uh, pretty much the whole time. Um with all the things that we have going on downtown right now, as far as building projects and redevelopment and such, uh, is this is that what's kind of spurring that on to some conversation about that dam now? Combination of things, Jeff. Uh, yeah, so, you know, as a part of our strategic plan, we're kind of in our third year of that. Uh, we, we took additional action from our prior strategic plan around riverfront enhancement, and we had a committee that met for over a year. One of the primary pieces that they looked about that kind of related to river stewardship, related to the resource of the river, and looking at how might we activate it through recreation, which maybe means paddling or fishing types of improvements. Um, there was an interest to explore that uh, further uh, as kind of a strategy to it's one of the great things about Northfield is that river that kind of connects us together um, in that downtown area and really kind of love that piece of it. Additionally, the, the dam is aging and, uh, you know, does require cost to maintain that and eventually we'll need some attention on what to do with it. And it's a very regulated pro- uh, type of management of these dams. And so it takes many, many years. So being proactive, I think, also is, is helpful. It's not the first time it's been studied by the city and post together because, again, it's owned by, by post. But that's kind of what's uh, driving why we're looking at it. Uh, well, let's talk about the uh, potential removal. And, and folks, uh, Ben and I were talking before we went on the air about this. This is a very complicated uh, process to go through to get this done. So it's going to, it's not going to happen anytime in the very near future at all. But um, the, uh, the process in which that has to go through any idea off the top of your head, how many state, federal, local agencies and government bodies this has to be, to go through on so many levels and the funding has to probably come from a lot of those sources too. To answer the question directly, I can't answer all, that, all of the lot. agencies and entities, but a lot. I know some of them, and that would all be part of the process of that. But kind of stepping back again, the goals that we looked at in, in looking at the study on the options would be to, you know, improve public safety. So, you know, with the dam, if you would happen to get into the, the dam at the bottom end, that's not a situation you want to be in. Fortunately, we haven't really had much of that actually happening uh, here, but that's one thing uh, that realizing and, and recognizing the Riverfront Action Plan goals, honoring the historic structures because it is a designated historic structure, um, enhancing, and I would say along with the history of it, it's got kind of a beauty to it and aesthetic that I think people appreciate. Enhancing our recreation opportunities, improving river ecology is all part of that. So we're in the first phase, so talking about all of those different steps, we have kind of four stage phases that just in this project you know, that we'd be looking at if this were to play out. Feasibility and analysis, which is the feasibility that we're in. Second phase would be transferring ownership from post to the city. That would be concurrent with securing uh, federal state funding uh, to help pay for that if that were to actually proceed under that. 
uh, designing and permitting and then ultimately construction. So that's the process steps. And then what, what the council was presented with on options, kind of back to those goals of what are the options kind of achieving some of those goals related to, you know, river ecology related to recreation, balancing the history and beauty of that. And so they came back with no change, stay where it is, continue to maintain it, wait until, you know, we get more serious and to have to post has to look at something permanent. Looking at an option two, which would be creating kind of a rock, a short rock rapids, which would cre- kind of create a, a higher flow of water through that area. But with the rock rapids can have some aesthetic beauty to it, hold some of the water back. River ecology can kind of still uh, go through that, but not as good. A longer rock rapids, which again is the, it's kind of going all the way back with kind of a rock rapids to the fifth, fifth, fifth street bridge in the Ames park area. That uh, creates a slower water flow, better for the river ecology, still has some aesthetic improvements. Um, and then we had the uh, option four, which would have a long rod, uh, rock rapids uh, and partial dam removal. So keeping a maybe 15, 20 foot section of uh, the dam along post for kind of a part of the historical mitigation, because if if it were removed, you have to do certain mitigations related to the history. Could be educational pieces along the river. Um, could be like retaining part of that that structure. Um, now that wouldn't still have water flowing over it, probably based on the, the water flows that we had. But you'd be able to visually see that as part of the education of the history of the dam. Um, and that option three, the Long Rock Rapids, is really the option that's uh, being recommended as part of achieving all of and balancing all of those goals together really aligns best with the project goals. And then our next steps that we'd be going through would be uh, sharing with the public and stakeholders. There's a lot of local stakeholders and maybe even other agencies and things for feedback. Um, So we'll be doing that through October to come back to the council about what they want to do and moving into the next, next phases, I guess, of exploration on the project. The uh, concept, uh, there were a lot of those type of dams built in small towns and large towns across uh, across America. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was 150 years ago. Now you fast forward to uh, the middle of the 21st century. And uh, there's a lot of them have been removed. Did the, did the uh, people who did the study and the presentation, was that, uh, I would imagine they have uh, considerable case studies uh, to work with, uh, examples from other towns that uh, have pulled their dam out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's a lot of information out there on the Internet um, across the country about these dams because a lot of them have become obsolete in their functional purpose. And the uh, evidence related to, you know, managing floods and uh, also I would say river ecology is becoming a focus too, that these are really damaging to fish. Uh, kind of that, that's one thing is we had the DNR come down during our riverfront enhancement plan and had a really great presentation about how you'll see native fishes come back and it'll actually create a more robust opportunity for recreation from the people who like to fish side of things too. And it's good for the river ecology helps bring back um, those, uh, those species. And we can probably do some things with the river river banks as well with it. So um, that, that is, there are a lot of back, there is a lot of information out there even when we've dealt with the historical society at the state level, um, they have a lot of they have experience with this. This isn't new, and there's very clear processes to go through to address all of these issues. You know, flood management, you know, the ecology, the history, recreation. Different agencies kind of deal with the different components of it, but they're all very experienced with it. 
All right. We might have to do a, a separate show on the Ingsville Dam uh, sometime and where we have a little more time. we got to be moving on because there were a, a couple of uh, 2024 street projects that were up for discussion last night. Uh, one was Jefferson Parkway, uh, that uh, area around, uh, uh, you know, the schools and the senior center, uh, 50 North, and also uh, College City and Water, or College Street and Water Street. There's a reconstruction uh, in that area. Uh, let's start off with uh, Jefferson Parkway. This has to do, does all this have to do with uh, the Mills, uh, Milltown's trail uh, going through there? Because that seems like uh, we didn't do it that long ago and uh, seems to be in pretty good shape. Well, uh, we are scheduled for a mill and overlay uh, of, of that of Jefferson Parkway through that project area. So it is due uh, for, hmm. for that. I mean, you know, we've got a lot of streets that are in worse condition that need full reconstructions. Those are pretty expensive, but it's really important that to make, to really maximize the useful life of these expensive streets that we have um, doing things like mill and overlays and then seal coating. And those really extend the life where you can push, you know, if you really do a good job of it, you can push 75 plus years on some of these roadways, um, potentially. So it, that, it's scheduled for that. Milltown's Trail is certainly one that's getting integrated. We're happy to get, you know, eight point, you know, a little over $8 million from the state of Minnesota. This is our matching, local matching portion of that. But um, we talked a little bit about a, the budget that if not getting this state bonding money, how much that would impact us from, from taxpayer standpoint. And it's pr- uh, pretty impressive with that. But it's due. Uh, also, I would say it's a major corridor where um, we also are trying to implement best practices, too, as we do these improvements to say, how do we make it better? Because we're not going to come back for quite a while after this mill and overlay. So trying to have better uh, intersection crossings. It's a pretty busy road. It's a major major connector for schools in the morning and commuters kind of coming in and out. So we looking at some in- intersection improvements for pedestrians, kids going to school. we got middle school, high school. Um, and then the uh, some sidewalk installations where there's some gaps in it as well. And then we have uh, one section in the area that's kind of, again, in, in the project area where we're looking at Spruce Court. So there's kind of a cul-de-sac um, that, that we're looking at a back access into the high school through some easements that we have to be able to connect the high school for pedestrians as well. So we're looking at that put in, and there's some information on that as well. So um, really good discussion from the council last night, but that's kind of why we're why we're working on it now. The uh, the other one, College uh, College Street and Water Street. There are some areas uh, there in in those neighborhoods uh, that need total reconstruction. Uh, how what all does this uh, project uh, encompass? Yeah, the streets are literally falling apart, um, turning into dirt. I guess almost in some cases, or it's disintegrating. So that's definitely scheduled. But again, <clears throat> when you're looking at a 50 year project. A lot of these don't have sidewalks, so we have broken gaps in our sidewalk system, and we know that we're trying to create a more cohesive network connecting people to kind of how they travel and where they need to go. So if you have sidewalks that end, I've seen it. My kids walked on one section of this roadway. you got a section of sidewalk going, and then all of a sudden the sidewalk ends, and then you're in the street, and you see kids walking down the street the whole section. You wonder why. It's because they know that the sidewalk's going to end, and the sidewalks are crummy, too, with the cracks in the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. And so we need to invest in, in this infrastructure and get it improved. But you also need to be forward-thinking and be like, okay, how do we connect that sidewalk so those kids are off the streets? They're separated from the project area. So we're continuing to try and separating those motor vehicles for people walking, like that example. I think that's nothing new. Certainly we're adding also some bike lane projects, which has been you know a good 
hot topic, I guess, for, for discussion. So 8th Street's proposing to have some painted bike lanes and then a section of protected uh, bikeway within that uh, project area, which generated some discussion as well. Um, but it, what's driving that one really is uh, the need for major improvements. And similar to the last project, traffic flows in a lot of these areas are much lower than that Jefferson Parkway. But there are still some key crossing areas that it's a major walking corridor where we're trying to maybe also look at some shortening the distance of crossing just for some safety and then separating, um, clearly separating if we've got a kind of a bike lane, how they're separated from traffic. So it's clear kind of where people are coming and going as part of those projects. Will there be uh, a chance for uh, the uh, public to chime in on this? Uh, will there be some open houses and some uh, drawings they can take a look at and comment on? Yeah, we've already had in August, we had our first what we call neighborhood meetings. They're open to the public, and that was shared with the council. Um, and, uh, you know, on the college one, there's mixed feedback related to the on-street bikeways. We did have some opposition to that. It's a pretty quiet street, um, so in some ways it's actually good that it's separated from a busier street. So there was some debate and discussion by the council about, you know, it's a great area to ride. Do you ride with the traffic? Should we have painted bike lanes, or should we add some of the protected lanes in that is kind of we're planning Trees are impacted in this section and quite a bit of it, too. So, um, so um, looking at trying to minimize impact. So staff's looked at how can we mitigate that what we heard from people, the trees. We've also identified, like, which ones aren't in good shape, which ones are emerald ash borer prone, and then which ones are, are good that we either have to remove or can we try and avoid impacting them. And then um, concerns related to construction is always one. Jefferson Parkway, we heard things to try and minimize trees again on private property, um, concerns related to pedestrian safety, safety at crossings, and then a desire for multiple enhanced crossings on Jefferson Parkway and Jefferson Road, which the engineers actually took input from that neighborhood meeting to also tweak some of what they proposed on that. So, and that project also has a mini roundabout, which I think we're going to need to do more education on because I think a lot of people are still thinking of like the, the one on division that's pretty large. This is a small, much smaller version uh, that it really worked well. New Prague's a good example of it. They've got a series of those in downtown now. So we're going to, the council asked too, can we try and get some more information out about kind of how those functions and the size, because some people are thinking it's going to be a pretty massive footprint, but it's much different. So again, we're taking feedback. The council, I think, had probably almost two hours worth of discussion, questioning the design, um, the input that was received, looking at how things might be modified with it. So they're de definitely listening to the public that's already occurred. In fact, um, building off of our plans going into that neighborhood meeting is kind of the first step. Really, we're heading into, related to your question of input, we're really at the stage where it's most critical um, in early October where we do the feasibility report adoption. At that stage, you're pretty much scoping the project, saying, yep, we've taken a deeper dive, we followed our plans, we've made these modifications, now start designing the actual construction documents. I would say this is a key decision point coming up in October that um, we really should be kind of making decisions on which direction to go on finalizing. And then after that, it should be more about, okay, we've decided the scope and design. Now we're going to focus on specific impacts and details of the construction documents in input meetings uh, thereafter. So it's a critical stage related to scoping of these projects coming up. All right. Uh, we've got to move on. We don't have a whole lot of time to talk about the uh, budget work session that you had last night. Uh, but uh, we can certainly get the highlights because you're going to be discussing this, improving this uh, next meeting. 
reading. Uh, you'll have to. Uh, let's start off with the uh, prelim- uh, preliminary tax levy. We have seen some estimates of something like 7, 10, and 12. Uh, those have been adjusted a little bit now as far as the uh, uh, levy increase. Yeah, that's right. So we're heading into September next week's meeting, Jeff, where we set, you've been through this before, and I think probably some of your listeners have, but those that haven't, our preliminary tax levy is set uh, by the end of September, where you create kind of a maximum not to exceed. You also adopt a preliminary proposed budget that can be adjusted thereafter. Um, So we've had a lot of work to this point from the council. We have a lot more to do, and uh, we got uh, pretty much uh, full consensus of the city council to set a 15.6, a little over $15.6 million preliminary tax levy uh, that we we would set and then work to finalize between now and December. Again, we can go down. uh, I think there's some concern to say, can, can we adjust that downward? The, the tax rate increase is about a little over 2% um, with that with that uh, levy. Um, it's about a, a $1.6 million new levy increase, which is about 11.5% increase in the total levy. Um, but again, on that tax rate increase, on a t- typical $325,000 home, just to put it in perspective, um, it's about uh, $66 per year or $5.50 a month. Uh, that they that they would see if your value isn't changing, uh, and that's on top of, you know, the the amount that they're already paying. You pay about two thousand dollars, a little over that a year, uh, for that typical resident. Uh, but that would be kind of the increase on it. Um, a lot of discussion. The things driving the preliminary budget as to where we're at is uh, debt from prior construction projects that are already done are the ones in the works, like the current 2023 projects that we have. So those are really obligations we have to pay the bills. So those we have to do, that's a big chunk of our levy. Um, we have inflationary costs. So just like we've, you know, people in their homes have felt it in their wallets, you know, it's more expensive for goods and services. We've seen that across many city services. So that's driving some increases that we're seeing, um, we also have some labor increases. So we have fixed labor contracts, but there are some built-in increases. So we've got some health insurance increases and some just wage adjustments. Um, fortunately, even though we've seen some wage inflation out there, we've done a good job of keeping up with over recent years with our with our wages, where I think we're not way behind um, compared to other cities. And that's good news because that means we don't have as dramatic increases. But those add up, especially knowing we don't have a lot of other revenue sources to to dip into other than the money we get from the state, which was we did get some increases. But really the property tax levy is our primary financial tool that we have to work with. So, you know, the council was, they were all uh, in support of that preliminary levy that were there. We had six of them there. Um, But there was a lot of discussion too just about the importance of, reinvesting in things like our infrastructure where we have streets crumbling like the ones we have we got to do them but those are expensive and the cost of infrastructure's just been dramatically increasing over time um we've been kind of really bringing employee levels back over prior years to really where we had been you know decade or two ago um and so you know, you're looking probably at things like service reductions. If we look at some reductions, we might be able to tweak it back in some areas. And we're going to look at, can there be some, you know, are there, are we in line with permit fees, other places? Are there other things there that, you know, put us comparable to other cities? That was something we, we looked at. The other thing I gave a little bit of an illustration on too, that wasn't necessarily levy related, Jeff, but really important, I think around 
the, you got the expense and the revenue side, but we also have ability to pay, which is all of us collectively as taxpayers are kind of all paying for these services and it's a fixed amount. So if you have more, you know, somebody paying more or new people to join to help pay the bill, that impacts the rate of those taxes that we pay. And that's where Northfield, again, I think is a little upside down comparable to our other peer cities from a tax base standpoint. So I did some illustrations just to show one example, there's this big announcement of Rosemont of a $700 million data center. So I just use that down the road. We are really out of infill sites in the city in our existing industrial parks. So we talked a little bit about that Northwest growth area where we're looking at some concepts. This is one concept is we're really poised to for that type of a development. And it shows that on the tax rate um, for that project, if we got something similar in that area, that, that would be possible. Um, and I think we'd have the infrastructure for that to be able to accomplish that. You'd see about a 30% reduction in the tax rate, putting us way below pre-2012 levels in 2027 using that assumption. So, you know, as we look at that cost of the tax levy going into the future and infrastructure being expensive, I was basically trying to illustrate, we got to get our budget done and that's today, but we need to keep our eye on the ball too long-term to keep those costs down if we can find the right type of industry that really matches our community, we really would benefit as a community to be healthier, economically thriving by having uh, some tax-based growth. And so I use that just to illustrate it. Don't have much time, but uh, I do I have a couple of questions. Number one, has there been interest uh, presented to the city uh, by uh, somebody who would like to uh, develop that 500 acres out there? Uh, Yes, well, I would say this, that um, sometimes when we have speculations and we're a little cautious what, what we say or don't say related to the interest, but I would say uh, Excel Energy is funding that environmental study, and they're benefited by baseline uh, demand of their selling energy. So they really like companies that need their energy and also have kind of a stable amount of supply. And I would say, yes, um, there has been active interest in that development uh, including local industry uh, interest to say, can we grow our businesses out there potentially? And we've also had interest from outside people. So mm -hmm. we are in the process of, I'd say, environmental mitigation through this comprehensive environmental review that's going to be coming back in a month. That's really going to lay the groundwork to say, as we develop this and be planful, we got to take care of the natural resources. But it's a tremendous opportunity to look at growing our tax base with the community as well. And it's really a good location because it's kind of on the edge of town where you can kind of have industry segregated a little bit. Doesn't mean we want like bad negative impacts of in certain industries going in there, but it's just a really good location. And you got the highway going out, uh, to connection to the interstate. You got Cedar to the north. You got tremendous um, internet companies that we got five high speed internet providers out there. Um, we got sewer and water right in the area, and we're planning on a water tower, you know, as, as part of the project as well that we've acquired. So it's really poised um, for development and think that it's a really getting ripe for opportunity. Mm. All right. Uh, one final real quick question. Rich wanted me to ask this. What is a bicycle boulevard? <laughs> Rich has seen these signs. and Is there a bicycle boulevard somewhere? It's basically, uh, so let's use um, Washington Street as an example, where you uh -huh. have painted uh, markings where the bikers share the road with the with the drivers. It's an intentional designated uh, street where 
really being more intentional alert drivers that the bikers have the right to ride with the traffic and so it's specific corridors that we've identified technically people can ride with the traffic anywhere but it's really being intentional so when you say bike boulevard is basically kind of saying we, we have a painted markings for for bikers to ride with the traffic just alerting uh, drivers with that as well so all right well thank yeah. you from rich thanks for being yeah. with us <laughs>